Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You ready to roll? Yeah. Okay. We'll start in three, two, one. Welcome to another Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. J.J. Cooper and Matt Eddy continuing our our running feature of, of selecting uh, teams from the each division's top tens. We're going to be doing the AL East today. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Sorry there's been a little gap there in the uh, the podcast, but I, I hope you can understand we had the holidays. But really, more importantly for us, we had the Prospect Handbook, which kind of um, consumed everything, I, I think would be a way to put it. Is that a good way to put it, Matt? That's a good way to put it. Hey. One a day, so think of it that way. That's... 30 days of Prospect Handbook. Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, it was a very, very busy couple of weeks for us. But uh, the handbook is on the way to the printer. Um, we are not that far away from if you uh, ordered it through Baseball America. Get your hands on your own Prospect Handbook. It's a reminder, if you haven't ordered one yet, you can, you know, you can still do that. Pre-order it now. If you pre-order it through Baseball America, you, in addition to the Prospect Handbook, which is the top, is 900 prospects, plus a four-prospect appendix of uh, international prospects, you also get the 30... We send you a supplement with the 31st prospect in every organization, which some pretty useful names on the 31st uh, team this year, I thought. Yeah, who stands out to you? Hmm. It's like a lot of potential reserves. I mean, yeah. I'll just start with the Diamondbacks. Here's a spoiler. They had okay. uh, Ender Inciarte, the, the... Former Rule 5 pick. The center fielder whom the Phillies Rule 5 and kept for one day before returning. <laughs> Uh, but he's he has a, a you know reserve profile and, and not only that but was added to the forty man this or was added or kept on the forty man this year which made him not rule five eligible this year. Um, I actually thought, I love the Phillies write up in our order report this time said that they were looking at taking him again if he was available. Uh, they would have tried again. But uh, if you want to get your issue and you haven't yet, you know, in addition to the prospect handbook, you can go to www.baseballamerica.com/store and fix that right now. And again, if you order it through Baseball America. You're also going to get well in advance of, of anywhere else, uh, weeks in advance of, of you, where you can get it anywhere else. We get the first copies, and they go out. And basically, as we get them, they go out. So, but so with, before we get going with this draft, why don't we review our 1-1 picks that we've taken so far? I had the first pick in the East, and uh-huh. at least. I, recall, I took uh, Travis Darneau, as uh-huh. I recall. Then you drew the lucky, lucky so the straw. Central, that was so that was... Uh, Remember, Baez was one, Bryant was two, and then no, Chris, right? Chris Bryant, you took. Yeah, so I took Chris Bryant. So Baez was one in the pick, so I knew mm-hmm. I knew I took the Cubs guys. Couldn't the remember. Cubs. I was trying to had to remember which one was the number two prospect in that organization. You know, in that organization, and then went back to the NL West was you. I took Eddie Butler, Rockies right-hander, and that, that leaves you with the one pick for the AL East. If you haven't listened to these podcasts before, just a reminder: number one prospects are off the board. So. If you're wondering why we're not taking Dylan Bundy or why we're not taking, you know, Gary Sanchez, it's because by the rules of what we're doing here, they're not available. Um, again, we, we kind of touch on this every time. Dylan Bundy definitely would be one of the first guys taken if we were involving one. Xander Bogarts would be the first guy taken if we were doing number ones. 
Gary Sanchez would be taken relatively quickly. Jake Odorizzi, maybe a little longer, but he would be he would again go pretty quickly. And and Aaron Sanchez, I think, you know, none of these guys would be sitting on the board very long if we were uh, taking number ones. But we're not taking number ones. So with that, with the first pick of the AL East uh, portion of our draft, I'm going Kevin Gossman. No. The Orioles' right-hander, number two prospect in the Orioles' system. And really, I'd say it's a closer one-two this year. These guys were one-two last year in the Orioles' system, but I think it's a closer one-two this year, largely because, while Kevin Gossman, not particularly effectively, but made it to the big leagues last year. Dylan Mundy missed the, you know, missed the year with Tommy John surgery, and he's not back on the mound yet. So it's a little bit closer there as far as which guy you uh, you would want to have number one. Gossman's number two on this list. At worst, you're talking about a uh, a potentially dominant reliever. Very high, you know, a very good likelihood though that he's going to be a solid starter instead. So that's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean he's a bit of an outlier as a as a right-handed starter without a plus breaking ball. But right. as as you detailed in, in this year, a pitcher like Michael Waka who has a plus fastball and plus command and a plus changeup can make it work. Right. Another guy I'll give you is a. Maybe a little bit better breaking ball, but uh, a different type of guy because he's a short guy. But Chris Medlin also mm-hmm. has made that approach work. Mm-hmm. So that leads it to to the first pick for Matt Eddie. I think I know which way you're going, but I'll be interested to see if I'm right. <laughs> this is really tough. Uh, Gosman was a guy I wanted. I, you know, I think I'm going to go with um, the Red Sox Henry Owens, the left-hander, number two prospect in the in the Red Sox system. S- swing and miss stuff with. Potential for three plus pitches from the left side. He's got he's got control issues now, but the general outline is very good. Not only that, but I, I he may have had. It's funny he may have had the best outing that didn't count hmm. of the 2013 season, and by season I mean including spring training. Because he had an outing in spring training for the Red Sox last year, where I, I, I want to say like one batter made contact in <laughs> in like a in a four inning stint. I mean it was insane. Okay, that leads it back to me. I'm going to go safe. Uh, I'm going to go Jackie Bradley, number three prospect in the Red Sox system. Uh, a guy who's not going to be, uh, I don't think, a star. I don't know how many all-star games you're going to see. I, I don't think he's someone who you're going to see the Red Sox plug him in for Jacoby Ellsbury and get the same production as Ellsbury is best. But I think at the same time he's a guy who you're not going to be looking to replace either. He, he's going to be a, a very solid center fielder. He's going to get on base. He's going to steal some bases. Uh, a very productive, a very useful top-of-the-order hitter. I, again, I, I think we're going to see a lot of Red Sox taken in this draft because I, they have the deepest system, I, I think, of, of any of these of any of these systems. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, with my second pick, I'm going to uh, keep the southpaw trend alive and take Eduardo Rodriguez of the Orioles. Finish the year in Double A. Like Owens, he's uh, kind of a lean lefty with a chance for three pluses. And uh, a bit of trivia in that he's the, he'll be the first player signed by the Orioles out of Venezuela to make the major leagues with the Orioles. That's the probably this season. That's a damning indictment. <laughs> uh, this isn't. We're not talking about the first player the Orioles have signed out of Brazil or the first player they've signed out of the Netherlands to make it. Venezuela is what the th- battles with Canada to be the third most uh, productive country as far as big league talent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 something. I mean, the Astros for a while they were producing three or four guys a year. It felt like who were making their debuts from Venezuela. To never have a, had a player who's made his debut who signed out of Venezuela is 
is amazing. I mean, that's that's hard to imagine. But I, I like the pick. That leads me. I, I'm going. I, again, my fictional team that may never actually, uh, you know, doesn't really actually ever play a game may have a, a pretty dominant bullpen depending on things work out. Because I'm going to take Marcus Stroman, uh, Blue Jays' number two prospect, hard throwing right hander. Really, the big knock against Stroman is he's five foot nine. There's not a whole lot of five foot nine starting pitchers in the last 75 years. Um, <laughs> back from the time when 5'9 was considered real. Like, <laughs> the, the hulking behemoth. Uh, Old Hoss Radborn yeah, was 5'9". Yeah, you know, exactly. Uh, Strom, uh, the last uh, prolonged starter was, what, Tom Gordon maybe? Early in his career? And, and the thing about it is, is that when you think of Tom Gordon, you're still talking about a guy who was more a reliever than a mm-hmm. starter. It's, it's just a hard profile. That doesn't mean he can't do it. Mm-hmm. But the reason that people are skeptical is, is that it's hard to think of, you know, when you think of short pitchers, right-handed or left-handed, you generally think of guys who end up working out of the pen. You know, even if they started coming coming up, Billy Wagner was a starter all the way through the uh, the Astros system. He hit the rate, you know, the big leagues, you're the bullpen. And worked out really well for him. I, I think Stroman, I think Gosman has a more, much more likely to stay as a starter than Stroman. But I do think that Stroman's going to get an opportunity to start but even this year with the Blue Jays, they have, with getting all the guys back from Tommy John surgery like they did, you know, Hutchinson and, and, and Drabeck and guys like that, there may be a temptation at some point in 2014 to put Stroman in the bullpen. And if they do, he may never come back out. That, that's the way I'll put it. But I, I do think that he's going to, at the least, he should be a, a very solid reliever. And I think he has the stuff to start, again, if it's if you look past the, uh, the height. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to you. Yeah, I was looking at him. Now it's a matter of just throw a dart at the Red Sox. Because, <laughs> yes, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I think I'm going to bypass one player. I, I think to, I think we're both. I think number four prospect, Alan Webster, may sit there a while. He might. Great arm. I just worry about the control and the makeup. Um, I'm going to take Blake Swihart, Red okay. Sox number five. Uh, switch hitting catcher with some field to hit. Hasn't really shown a ton of power production yet, but, you know, he's a... Uh, he has a chance to develop it. Kind of a physical build, catcher, athletic, switch hitter. It's not bad. Taking a shot. Uh, I'm going to take another Red Sox, and I'm going really off the board. I'm jumping down to the number seven Red Sox on the list, uh, Mookie Betts, who I know a lot of Mookie Betts fans around this office. I'm definitely one of those. Um, talked to a lot of people when I was doing the uh, doing South Atlantic League stuff and also talked to some scouts who had Carolina League coverage this past year who just could not stop raving about him. Um, he had an amazing season. Uh, the thing that knock, jumps out to me, though, is just that you're talking about a guy who really controls the strike zone, uh, you know, walked more times than he struck out last year. But And the key thing is, is to me, is, is he did that while hitting 15 home runs as well. So mm-hmm. this isn't a, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a Mike O'Neill fan, but Mike O'Neill, it's the in purpose almost of when he goes to the plate is to draw a walk. With Mookie Betts, the walk is, I think, it's going to translate a little bit more to the big league level because it's partly he just knows the strike zone. He rejects rejects pitches out of the strike zone. But when he gets something in the strike zone, he really can do something with it. Second baseman, you know, there's talk that he may even play some shortstop again this year. Um, I, I think long-term he probably is a second baseman, but, you know, a definite, it could be a plus at second base. I, I'm pretty excited about having him. On the uh, the Cooperstown bound, and he's uh, your second straight five foot nine traffic. 
Yeah, and I, I think I also took uh, someone else's that, that short earlier in this draft. So <laughs> I like the short guys, apparently. You can call me the Astros, I guess. Okay. It's a little trickier here. Gets a little tougher. <sighs> to, to recap while you're deciding, we've taken one Blue Jay, the number two prospect, no Rays, no Yankees, and one, two, three, four Red Sox. Uh, I think, and one, and uh, two Orioles. So, you've got some choices here to make. Which okay. way are you going? I think I'm going to enhance my uh, infield depth and take Jonathan Scope, the uh, Curacao native, second baseman slash shortstop, more second baseman, but a chance to hit with some uh, some power at the Keystone. I probably doesn't have any other pluses, but. He's, Solid player. He's a triple A. He's a triple A now, and might see him with the Orioles next year, or this year, I should say. I'll go with um, following up on that. I'm going to take another word. I'll, I will go Hunter Harvey, who you skipped over at number four on the uh, Orioles list. One of the better. Um, you know, it, it's a bad profile in some ways. North Carolina high school pitcher uh, Chris Archer is making that look a little better right now, but have been a lot of uh, bust kind of out of that list. But I. Um, uh, you know, a really good arm, long, long ways away, but there, there's some definite upside there. So mm-hmm. I'll go that way. I think we can now, when we're saying, you know, a lot of times we kind of decide where we're stopping on this on the fly. We have to take a Ray and a Yankee before <laughs> we stop. And so uh, so continue. And I don't know if that's going to happen yet. Yeah, I'm going back to the Red Sox. So this is my fifth pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Garen Cicchini, the third baseman. Uh, led the minors on base percentage this year. Uh, steady left-handed hitter, may not hit for more than fringe power, and may not st- stick at third base. But um, I think you're looking at, at a high floor player. Got to get on base with a chance to you know chance to hit for average, get on base, and maybe play third base in the right situation. I I think I'm sticking with the Red Sox too. And again, there's a lot of different ways. This Red Sox list, like this Red Sox list, has Alan you know has Alan Webster four. I, I, the difference between him and number 10, Trey Ball, just isn't that much. I mean, they're different players, right. but one's really close, one's really far away. But if you grade them out, there's not a whole lot of separation. They're really between those. And Anthony Renato, who didn't make this top 10, was number 11 on the Red Sox list. You could make an argument for Anthony Renato for. I mean, that, to me, Jackie Bradley, after that, there's this large group of very similarly, you know, close together prospects as far as the. Variety of for a variety of ways. With that being the case, I'm going to go Matt Barnes number nine. Um, really, probably a little bit of a, a setback year for him this year. Um, no, wasn't as dominant as he's been at times in the past. But uh, again, you're talking about uh, a guy who has at his best some really plus stuff. He's shown some feel for pitching. Um, you know, probably more of a number three starter if it all comes together. But, but. Uh, again, uh, a useful arm who's already had double-A time, has been pretty durable. Uh, I'll go that way. Okay. I'm going to take a Ray with my hey. next pick. And it's not. It's actually number three, Taylor Guerrero. I like the upside. Uh, however, he's got some pretty significant yeah. dings against him. There's some risk. Probably uh, foremost, uh, he had Tommy John surgery in the middle of 2013. Uh, he's going to serve a 50-game suspension for recreational drug use while he's rehabbing. The good news for you is he's not going to lose any development time yeah. from that because he'll be suspended while he wasn't going to be <laughs> pitching anyway. 
and he had some makeup concerns when he was in high school. However, <laughs> that being said, he, he does he, he throws a pretty nasty sinker. He's got pretty good command for a high school pitcher, good pitcher's build, and the secondary stuff projects to be at least average. I like him long term. I just think it's it's a longer term play than some of the other guys we're talking about. Okay. I'm going to go upside again. I'm going to go another Red Sox, and we are staying away from Alan Webster like the plague. Um, I'm going Trey Ball, uh, the number 10 prospect. Loading up on 2013 prep arms. Yeah, I, I really am. You know, I, I, I do think that that was one of the uh, the better uh, positions in this uh, this draft, that and college power bats. We don't really have a shot at many of the college power bats here. They're, uh, they're gone elsewhere, but... Um, but Ball, I, I do think, is a uh, an athletic left-hander. You know, three pitches if it all comes together. And so far away, I mean, really, he, he threw seven innings. You know, not seven, seven poor innings, let me uh, also preface by saying. Seven poor innings in the GCL. He's got no chance. So, long ways away. But, uh, again, if it all comes together, it could be pretty special. Okay. Let's review some of the players who are left on the board. Okay. Again, in the Red Sox... The Red Sox, we only have, by the rules of this, you can't go, we can't take Anthony Arado. He didn't make the top ten. So, Alan Webster and Brandon Workman are it. That's it. That's all that's left. Go to the Yankees. They're all available. Slade Heathcott, Mason Williams, J.R. Murphy, Eric Gilo, Aaron Judge, Ian Clarkin. You can go whichever way you want there. Um, with the Rays, uh, Hakju Lee who's coming off of ACL, Any Romero, who I do kind of like, who throws hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I skipped the Orioles. Sorry, Orioles fans. Um, we still have Tim Berry and Yuri Arutia, uh, Mike Wright available for the Orioles. Go back to the Blue Jays. You got all kind of upside, uh, potential upside. DJ Davis, Mitch Ney, Franklin Barreto, Daniel Norris, Robert As- Roberto Asuna, Dawel Lugo. You know, you've got, so those are kind of what we're looking at. Which way are you going? I think I'm going to take Mason Williams here. And here we go. So we, we have <laughs> he's we the, have fulfilled our needs. He's the Yankees' number three. He, he was the number one guy last year when he looked like a five-tool center fielder. You know, he put on some weight this year. The, the tools kind of um, were lost under a little bit of fat this year, is the yeah, best way to put it. He, you know, his lower half thickened up, so now there's questions about where he, where he fits defensively. And the power still doesn't come on. You know, he doesn't steal a lot of bases. So but other than that, there's <laughs> there's a lot of risk involved, but you know he's still a left-handed hitting center fielder who has flashed all five tools in the past. No, uh, I think you know. I, I, so I, I think we will wrap up at that point. We now have we have drafted a Ray. We have drafted a Yankee. Thank you for doing both of those. Um, <laughs> who would be next for you? Like if you had, I probably would take Heathcott next. Um, I've always been a Slate Heathcott fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Really, there's been a, a lot of concerns with Slade Heathcott and legitimate concerns about he just he doesn't get 500 at bats in a season, mm-hmm. and there's some legitimate concern about whether he ever will because Slade Heathcott. I, I mean, I'm going way back for this comp, but Pete Reeser with the Dodgers going you know back in the 40s. Pete Reeser could have been like he was considered a, a potential star, but he couldn't stop running into brick walls trying to catch you know fly balls. <laughs> That's kind of Slade Heathcott's problem. Slade Heathcott plays all out at all times. It, Slade Heathcott's the kind of guy who the new rule about not running over catchers is really going to be a disappointment for him because if, <laughs> if a catcher's got you know trying to block the plate, Slade Heathcott's going to try to run through him. Um, that kind of you know that kind of all out approach. It's really been hard for him to stay healthy with that. Um, you know, 
because of that, uh, that's kind of limited. That I mean, that really does limit his upside a little bit, just from the standpoint of when it's one time, you say, okay, it's one thing. But when it's year after year, you start to think, no, maybe this guy's just not going to stay healthy. And I believe he's had surgery on both shoulders. Yes. And he's had knee problems, too. And, you know, and then he had some well-publicized, you know, it's behind him, it appears, but some well-publicized, you know, problems with alcohol, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a while back. uh, You know, it's, you know, it's, there's some risk there. Yeah, Hawk Lee would have been more attractive to me, but you're talking about a guy with, you know, 20 power, coming off a major knee injury. It does concern me when you have a guy, in Hawk Lee's case, who his entire, you know, it's one thing if you have, like, a torn ACL and you're a slugging, you know, first baseman. Okay, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to affect you that much. Hockey Lee's entire game is speed, agility. Mm-hmm. It may be. I mean, ACL, you know, see a lot of, you know, Adrian Peterson in the NFL had no real problems coming back from that. And that requires more speed and agility to the, even than being a shortstop. But that being said, we haven't seen him come back from it yet. You kind of want to see that really before... Yeah, you really want to buy in on a guy who, again, that that's what he, his selling point is, you know. And if you were going to shoot the moon on one of these Blue Jays guys, what do you take? Because we're talking about You're, and you can shoot like the, the highest the highest level any of the Blue Jays three to ten played at was low A Lansing. It's just all upside. It is all upside. We we jokingly said when we were doing the uh, uh, when we were doing the. Uh, Actually, I, Daniel Norris did have one game at high A. I've or, seen that, and Nolan actually yeah. has majorly experienced. But but uh, but they almost break the the scale as far as risk um, yeah. because it's all high upside, so far away. If it all comes together, they could be all star kind of guys. Like the Rangers have a high risk system. The Blue Jays take that to another de- <laughs> an extreme degree. I probably um, because. Middle infield guy who has shown some feel for hit, I'd probably go Beretta. Mm-hmm. Franklin Beretta, the shortstop, is number four on their list. Number five, sorry. Number five, Number yeah. five on their list. That's a good pick, yeah. You know, but DJ Davis, um, you know, you could see him developing into something. Mitch Ney had a, a solid year at Bluefield. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What, which way would you go? Probably Beretta or, or Ney, I would, I would say. That's a tough call. But, uh... I, I did want to ask you, since Matt did uh, yeoman's work uh, editing the, the Prospect Handbook, and we'll have a full Prospect Handbook podcast, or a couple coming up, but now that you were done with it, and you read, I believe, at some point, every team, all 900 prospects, mm-hmm. was there a team that, when you were done, you thought was a lot better or a lot worse than you, you know, as far as prospects than they were when you kind of went into it? Hmm. Is there a team that jumped out that you said, huh? Because it was interesting to me, uh, well, I'll kind of let you think on that because I'm kind of blindsiding with that question. It was interesting to me as we kind of sat down and were working on the org talent rankings when it's all said and done, like there were organizations who I thought were, well, that's better than I thought or, well, that's a really difficult one to rank. I thought the Blue Jays were very difficult to rank Mm -hmm. from the standpoint of, okay, what do you do with an organization where – Almost everyone's yet to play full season ball. You know, yes, they've got all kind of upside, but there's got to be some acknowledgement that they're a lot less likely to reach that upside than an organization. The Red Sox, to me, are an organization that have a lot of close to big league ready prospects. If you said which organization is clo- is the closest thing to like what the Cardinals were, Cardinals were our number one organization last year, um, and 
they lived up to that this year when you see that Shelby Miller and Carlos Martinez, who's still eligible, but you know, but Michael Walker, who we talked about, uh, you know, uh, Patch Adams, you know, you see uh, a number of these guys who you know produced this year. I think the Red Sox are the team that could have the most production in 2014 from their farm system, just because if they need it, you know, they've got two or three pitchers who you could turn to and say that guy could make a significant impact. Jackie Bradley, I feel like is you know he's going to be their center fielder. Um, but was there an organization that that jumped out to you, good or bad? Like wow, that was better or that was worse than I expected going into it. Um, I thought the Cardinals kind of tailed off after number four. Uh, Maybe a little Steve, more than yeah. Stephen Piscotty, just based on all the all the high impact rookies they brought up in the last few years. The back of that Probably. Cardinals list is 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 amazingly thin. Yeah. Again, and I don't I don't I, even ding them for it because. They promoted so many guys last year. But oh yeah, that's not a criticism of their of their organization or their philosophy. But no, that the back of that list is is role players. If you squint really hard and if everything comes together, I think probably the biggest theme after looking at all these is no organization was really that deep outside of the top ten. I think the best ten top tens were the Red Sox, who we detailed this time, the Pirates, who we've talked about, and yeah. the Twins, who were up next. I, the other one I'll throw in there for the tennis is I think the Cubs. Not mm-hmm. because they're te- – I think the Cubs tails off quicker than these guys. And they don't have the pitching balance. I mean, they have probably the best position player. But position player-wise, you know – and that's one of the things that when we were putting together our organization talent rankings, which, again, you'll see in the handbook. We'll do a, another – we'll do a revised version, uh, I believe, around minor league preview time mm-hmm. uh, during spring training. But – the thing that we've come more and more every year to is this depth is nice. Mm-hmm. Depth is important. However, if you get a chance, if it comes down to it, the, the Rockies are a good example. The Rockies have at the top of the system Jonathan Gray, Eddie Butler, two potential front-end starters. Mm-hmm. Then you have guys like Rosal Herrera, you know, David Dahl needs to bounce back, but you got guys like that. It drops off pretty quick after that. But okay. if you're comparing that to an organization – that's deeper, but doesn't have a Jonathan Gray and Eddie Butler type guys at the top end. Take the Jonathan Gray Eddie Butler, you know, ahead of that because the the one I could go back to is is like the Angel system a couple of years ago was pretty thin, but it had Mike Trout at the top of it. We ranked I think I think we ranked him around twenty simply on the basis of Trout <laughs> and almost nothing else. We really we underranked him though because while. Yes, you, you need more guys than that. If Trout by himself, you know, you, you have to fill, field a full team and all. But the reality is, is that Trout by himself is more productive than other organizations are going to get out of their entire farm system. Mm-hmm. Because if you have that star, there's a lot of value to that. I go back to the, the first prospect handbook we ever did. Albert Pujols is almost the only guy from the Cardinals' top 30 in that first prospect handbook who had a significantly lengthy big league career. Almost everyone else. Bud Smith, the number one prospect, you know, had a, a, a flash-in-the-pan career. No, no hitter and then got injured. But by himself, if you said, which organization would you want to have, you'd want to have Albert Pujols and nothing else over a number of our organization's entire farm systems because stars are harder to find. Mm-hmm. That, and that's the one thing I think that jumps out more and more every year. And I think that the lack of depth, or my perceived lack of depth in the 11 to 30s for these prospects, is kind of symptomatic of just how reliant 
major league teams are on young talent now because it costs so much to acquire major league talent through free agency, through trades, that you're going to bring up your guys because they, they cost literally a very small fraction of, of the major league average salary. Oh, and, and, and not only that, but th- what that jumps out also is, is that that is where depth is important. Mm-hmm. A lot of the book, a lot of the handbook, you know, when you get into the teams, most organizations, you're talking a lot about guys who project as potential, you know, seventh inning guys or maybe less, or you get some utility infielders and all that. But those guys have value to organizations because even we've seen, what does it cost now to get a guy who can pitch the seventh for you? And on the, on the free agent market, uh, Quite simply, a one-war, you know, seventh-inning reliever is going to cost you what five, six million a year, and you may have to go multiple years for him. And that's, and the reality of that is, is that you compare that to if you can fill that from within with a, you know, a, a, basically a rookie, you've just saved that's four million plus dollars that you may be able to spend somewhere else. Particularly one who has options, you can send him up and down yeah. too. That's another thing. Is you that, can't do that with a major league vet. <laughs> that, that's another. That's a giant advantage because you need that. You, the worst thing almost that you can have. There's a lot of bad things you can have, but as far as roster construction, if your bullpen is full of guys without options, that that does, that's not an untenable situation. At some point in the season, you're going to have a point where you need to just uh, call up an emergency guy or two because. You've had a couple of back-to-back, you know, extra inning games, or someone is down for three or four days, or you know, maybe a week, and so you don't want to put them on the DL yet. But mm-hmm. when that kind of thing happens, having a guy who, even if he's pitching well, you can send a Triple A for a week while you bring up, you know, for ten days, I should say, while you bring up uh, another emergency arm from the minors. There's a there's an incredible value to that, and that's a value that you don't have, like you said, if you're relying on major league veterans who. You know, you're just going to lose that guy. That's that's waving him, eating the contract, and uh, you know, if you need that to get the flexibility. But well, that's another edition of the uh, the the top ten uh, draft. We'll be back next week with the AL Central. Um, so we'll be putting together our. Uh, I, I think I know who's going to be the number one pick next year, next week, and you get it. You get it. I'm, I'm going. I, I would have gladly. I'll trade you Kevin Gossman for the first pick in that draft. Because Miguel Sano looking uh, pretty good there. But uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot of good guys in the Central, though. It'll be a fun draft. So we'll do AL Central next week. As we said, we'll probably have a Prospect Handbook podcast either next week or the week after that. Um, we'll be wrapping this up with the AL West not too far from now. Um, but again, and we'll be it's hard to believe, but we're going to be starting the college podcast before long. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the January. College preview, we're already starting to plan and all. So... Mm-hmm. It, it's a it's crazy, but thanks again for the download. We hope that all of you had a great holidays, happy New Year, and uh, we will talk to you soon again on the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.